Thanks for checking out and tuning in to At the Table with Paul and Brandon. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we really hope you enjoy today's show. So as we're both uh, learners, we're always like questing for something to know, right? something new to know, some new knowledge, some new skills, some new thought, something. That's just how we're built. Uh, and it's fun. I love living life that way. I love, you know, waking up in the morning expecting I'm going to know something when I lay down that I didn't know when I woke up. So I, it's just really cool. So I was listening to a podcast the other day, as I do all the time, you know, and um, it was uh, Lex Friedman podcast, excellent podcast. But he was interviewing this guy who's one of the world's experts on molecular biology and chemistry and that kind of stuff, evolutionary stuff. Like he's he's really he's written a lot of books on that idea, um, and he's a brilliant guy. Plus, he's British, so he sounds smarter than he probably <laughs> is. So like he's it's just it was a beautiful conversation. I hadn't listened to all of it. It's like over three hours, but I was struck by this guy who's the world's foremost expert. You know, uh, Lex Asman about. Lex asked him about like the origin of life. Mm-hmm. What would you have to say about that? And he, his thing was, he said, well, the truth is, he said, if you, if you ask all the people who study this deeply, they're all going to give you a different answer. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by how many uh, times he said, you know, possibly this could happen. Uh, if this happens, then this maybe could have happened. And it was, it was a lot of maybes and ifs, and I don't really know. And it was a lot of times where he just literally said, but I don't know. And I thought it was an interesting idea to think about, not necessarily just to talk about evolution but and, and creation, but really to talk about what do we know and why do we know what we know? Mm-hmm. And, and why is that important mm-hmm. for us to be able to identify something that we know and then to be able to distinguish that from something that we think may or may not be true? It is fascinating, as you always say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be you. I'm going to quote Paul. Okay. It's fascinating how many times you and I have the similar thought about something that is so, f- seems like it could not connect at all. Right. But then you start talking, and it's like, that's a different take of what I was thinking. Right. Because I was thinking, and I was coming over here, like, what I've been thinking about, like, trying to wrestle with my thoughts about, like, where am I feeling? Where am I at? What's on my heart for this podcast? Okay. And what I was thinking about, I think you find it interesting, is that I was just saying, where does the end of me, where does the end of me really begin and the beginning of Jesus happen? Okay. So I was thinking about the idea of like, do, can we ever know when the end of ourself happens? Yes. Because that's what we always say. We say, I want, I, I want you to increase while right. I decrease. But like, where's the end of me? Is that line it, it, and, always moving? And then I, the reason why I said where's the end of me, because we know that God wants to, like, we crucify ourselves, we die to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to, put it into ourselves as we, cause you know, we're, we're sinful. Right. But then there's also this thing about Christ knowing us and he fully knows us and loves us and made us individually. Mm-hmm. And so there's part of it. We talked about before there's part of us that he wants to insinuate, like, like how you say accentuate? Accent, whatever. Yeah. Make bigger. <laughs> Highlight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so like that idea of like where we end and begin mm-hmm. and then where we begin again, where we begin again is interesting. Kind of like just the idea of like knowing. And that's kind of the thing like what what do we really know about ourselves? Like we have these grandiose ideas of the universe and of time and of all these things. But like I think what I love what you're saying is that we really don't know a lot. And what we do know, can we even really communicate that properly? Like, are we, are we asking the right questions to even find the right answers about knowledge of anything? Yeah, I think if you, because we always like to think about it 
in terms of well, science has the answers. Science can get us the answers. Yes, because we have uh, we hypothesize, we test it, and then we prove it. It's proven. And, and Correct. It's proven. Right. Right. And it becomes evidentiary, and it becomes yep. something tangible, and then everybody agrees because it's just is, and yes. we just all agree, look at it. But the truth is that in the scientific community, that really rarely happens. Correct. That, that all scientists that are specialists in the field, like, like that's their life's work. It's very rare that in in situations where they all will agree on things. Um, and I've listened to, one of the things I like about the Lex Friedman podcast is it brings guys who are at the highest level in the scientific world and, and gives us, people like me who aren't in that world, access to their conversations and their thoughts. And what's shocking to me is sometimes how much they can get tunnel vision because they they just get into like their field of study and their theory. And then it's about them trying to pursue that and prove what they believe. Correct. And so not that there's something wrong with it. I'm just saying it, it just seems to me sometimes that there's a disconnect between um, what, what they claim to know, but also a lot of it is just what they think is true, what they think they know and what they want to be true. And so then they almost like, like take that in to be true. Correct. And to your discussion about ourselves, we can lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can, we're very good at making ourselves think we know something about us that we really don't. Right. Um, and it's, and it's, I mean, I know I find myself, it's, it, sometimes my, uh, my introspective self really wants to push in and challenge me <laughs> to think about like to really try, okay, what do you, what do you, what are you really feeling like? What, where is this really coming from? And then sometimes if I'm in the mood to deal with it, I'll deal with it. But a lot of times I'm not in the mood and I just kind of push it down and I just plow on, hmm. um, with like the, the, mm-hmm. the facade, like, <laughs> like the scientists, like I'm just going on with yes. what I think I know. So, yeah, yeah. But, but then there's some there's some underlying truth that I really haven't nailed down. Mm-hmm. I really haven't gotten down and proved it mm-hmm. about myself. And and it's almost like there's this internal negotiation that's always going on between what I know about Jesus and then what I, how I allow that to truly impact me and kill parts of me that need to be killed. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm struggling with almost okay. but also like coming to terms with is that I feel like what you said before that a lot of what we do is just a facade like it's a shell game like on every level like cause I, cause I don't really think that I think the reason why I say that is because the more I look into really diving deeper into myself I realize how difficult and we talk about this on the pause all the time yeah. how difficult it is yeah. and so I realize that we're just not doing that because we, you and I who are trying to not do it shove it down yeah. So then how many people are just shoving it down or not even cognizant? Like you and I notice things all the time. We're just we're just having a conversation a couple of minutes ago yeah. about something here that you and I would think, how could you have not seen that? That you just know that that happens all the time. Yes. Like we talked about this all the time here. You look back at the podcast. People are oblivious. Yes. I, whenever I'm out with my wife, one of the funniest things we like to do is just see how people in the parking lot are just so oblivious. Stepping up. I was picking up my son today. Yes. The guy is directing traffic to stop when we come in because there's, there's a pickup line. At school. At school. Yes. And so I, I go and I there's a pickup line that I go over and I park next. You can park. Okay. And so he, the pickup line is going straight and I can turn to make a left. Okay. And the guy is stopping. The kid is walking through the sidewalk. She never looks this way. She's only looking at cars coming this way. Like she right. never looks. And me and the guy, the car, look are looking at her. He didn't say anything. And we're both looking and watching. I'm he sees I'm watching. Right. And we both look and she just like just oblivious right. of the danger that's there. And that's just one instant 
in one segment of life for one split second. Right. And so the deep work of of thinking about do I really understand this? Hmm. Do I really accept this? If this is true, what does this really mean? Because that's, that's the whole point about this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. If this thing, whatever it is, is actually true that I've proven, then what's the result of that? And for me as a Christian, that matters a lot about what we're talking about. Like if what this is saying is true about relationships, finances, anger, if that is true, then what ripple effects does that have? And is that really lining up? And am I really in focus with that? Or am I just hearing it and I'm accepting it, but it's not really working out in my life? And I think that we see that all the time. Like yeah. if some of these things that they're trying to prove is true, then well, first of all, what's the purpose of the truth? And then are we even applying it? Or are we just trying to say we know something for the sake of knowing it? But then if you know it and don't do anything with it, then what's the purpose anyway? Yeah, I think what we know should impact what we do. You would think. You would think. Uh, right. And because it's very clear to me, I see a lot of people, scientists included, who even things that they don't know affect what they okay, do. Okay, Right. And so certainly the things that we can nail down and say, yes, we know, they should affect us. Yes, right. You know, right. Yeah. I mean, like, I know my wife loves mayonnaise on her sandwiches. Like, I know that. There's no doubt about it. I've it's, seen, been, it's been proven. It's been proven <laughs> over, over our marriage. Right. And so if I'm going to make my wife a sandwich, I'm putting mayonnaise on it. I don't have to ask her if she wants mayonnaise. Correct. I just simply know. Yes. I also know that my wife actually likes to put a little salt and pepper on the mayonnaise. You know she does. Before you put the sandwich. You don't just slap it together with the mayonnaise <laughs> on there. You got to season that mayonnaise. Right. That's so I, I, how do I know that? Because of my life experience and I've tested it and it's been proven. So there's things about that knowing that drive my actions. Yes. I'm not going to make her a sandwich without the mayonnaise and without salt and pepper on the mayonnaise. Correct. Because I know her, and obviously because I love her, but and I want her to be happy. No, right. But but the, it's more about like what I know. Like I have learned that. And so since I've learned that and it's been proven, it's been tested. It changes your behavior. It changes my behavior. Correct. And so I think the question for the believer is, what do we know about God? What do we know about Jesus? And has it impacted our behavior enough to where it's clear and evident that we actually do know it? Because that's the whole thing. It's like if <laughs> the challenge is this: like if if the if the church really believed what they believed, I would think that they would tell everybody. That's a powerful. St- but man, we don't. That's man, we I, don't. Uh, we yeah. don't. That's powerful. I I'm mean, saying, I right? mean, it's so it's it's kind of like the. <laughs> I, I was telling you about a quote I heard from Alistair Begg. He was talking about worship, and he was talking about you know people coming in asking you like how you feel like even like worship leaders say, how you doing, how this, you morning? You doing yeah, this morning yeah yeah right he said don't ask me how i'm doing he said i'm doing terrible he said ask me what i know what do i know about god because he said it's what i know about god that can draw me into worship no matter how i'm feeling but the thing is to your point that's probably the truest thing that we actually do know is how we're feeling in that moment. We're not out, we're not probably honest with that sometimes because sure. we still put that veneer on. Yeah. But I think that's what we how go to I'm as a base. Fine. Like yeah. we like we do know how we're feeling. Yeah. We we sometimes we don't know what we don't also sometimes know how we should be feeling in light of the truth that we know sometimes. And I think that's the problem. Like we don't. Okay. It's hard to connect yeah. those those dots. Like yeah. we don't know. Okay, I know like how, how I, should I feel about this because of what I know about exa- God. And Jesus? Now yeah. that's the part that becomes profound. Okay, like I think, and I think that's the thing that is difficult. Like that's the true. Like Paul was in jail. We talked about this in our staff. Paul mm. was in jail, and he wrote phenomenal book. Yeah, Paul was persecuted. 
right? Paul was was left for dead and he had some beautiful things to say about how God would, because Paul knew some things in his life that transcended how he felt. Yeah, because like he just knew them. At that point, he had had the the encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, which right? totally changed the the full direction of his life. Correct. Everything about his life was going in one direction and going hard in that direction. And that experience with Jesus totally radically changed him. So it's what he knows about you. What he learned about Jesus totally changed him because he was out to try to eradicate those who follow Jesus. He Correct. Was, he was out to kill it. Right. And yet he became a part of it. And not just a part, but like an integral part of it. And so, yeah, that's the, one of the best examples of what he knew changed what he did. And it's and then he spent the rest of his life trying to living out that to, to build y- yes, that ministry. Correct. Correct. And to build that movement. Correct. And then to equip that movement with theological truths, you know, that were empowered by the spirit within him. So I think it, it became so, I guess Paul was one of those people always that was passionate about living out what he knew because he was obviously doing that by trying to eradicate what he thought was something that was challenging who God was because what he knew about God. But then when he found out that it was true, then he immediately shifted that passion in that direction. And I think that's to me is the question is I think if we we look at ourselves where how is our passion directed because our passion is typically going to be directed on the things that we think we know and so is is that truly reflective of people who who love God and know that God loves them and know that Jesus died on the cross and know that their sins are forgiven and know that we're not bound by the things of this world, know that we're actually subjects of, of a kingdom that's not of this world. Do we live that out? Do we live that as as if we knew it? Here's here's what I'm going to say. Okay. I, I think you're going to love this little thought that came to my mind. Maybe. You're, you're going to. Okay. I, I have that's, that's, some, that's some bold words. Well, it's because I know you. Okay. <laughs> Our language is horribly watered down. English. Okay. Our current language. Horribly watered down. The Bible says that Adam knew his wife, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can understand that in like he knew her. Obviously, he had a relationship with like he knew who she was, like you and I. But then we also know that it meant intimacy. Like they they were intimate together right. and like they had the intimate to have children. Like they sexual, right? right. They, they became one flesh. Right. I think that's the issue we're talking about right now. Okay. We know a lot of stuff on the I have a relationship with it. Like, like I have a relationship with gravity. I have a relationship with math. But like, am I laying down with math? Am I intimate with that? And I think the things that we're talking about, that's the difference. Paul and what he knew became intertwined. It became one. Yeah. And then it produced something different. And I think that's the issue that we have with the thing we get with knowledge. We get a lot of knowledge and we might like podcast, YouTube, Google, sermons, books, Lex Freeman, all this stuff. But like, we're not really like intimately bound to any of it. Right. And it doesn't wrap around and become a part of us to where it then comes out of us in a different way. Hmm. And I think that's the, like, as I was hearing you talk, like, that was the difference with Paul, is that his life became intertwined with that knowledge. And I and for us, it's just something that we hear, and we move on, and maybe we'll piecemeal it back together again. I think what's interesting to me is, if you think about it in a, in a modern-day sense, is basically like Paul had this encounter with Jesus, and he learned something, and then he started a YouTube channel. Because he wanted everybody to know what ba- he what yes, he knew, basically. And you know, he's out there imagining with his iPhone walking around. Just, I, I just, I see that as um, because a lot of people who are, con- you know, I guess creators on on Facebook. I mean, on YouTube, there are people who think that they have something to share, and they become pa- they think they know some things that other people might want to know. 
And so they try to use that to create a platform. And it's really a beautiful thing of our culture to me, like that shared knowledge. Yeah. Like we're, we're sharing and learning from each other. Um, and I think that's ref- it's reflective of the community of faith. The idea that this, this guy who was brilliant in every way had studied under one of the great you know, Jewish scholars of his day was on a track to probably be a Jewish leader, a Jewish leader in the Pharisaical world in his, in his time. And then radically got changed by an encounter with Jesus. And it totally moved him into a totally different direction. And then he became part of the family of faith and actually expanded the family of the church. But also in that community, he shared what he knew by writing letters. And that was the format during his time. And so these letters get sent and they get read and people are like, man, this is amazing. And so they make copies of it and they send it to all the other churches. And the next thing you know, like it's, it's part of what we have today that, that here's what I know. Here's what I know about Jesus. Here's what I know about God. Here's what I know about grace. Here's what I know about our freedom. Here's what I know about the walls coming down that we like to, you know, from Ephesians 2. Here's what I know about all that. Here's what I know about the gospel. And so for us, what we experience in reading the letters of Paul is what you're talking about. It's that not just that he knew it, but like he absorbed it. Like it, it defined that what he knew defined him. And then it, it just kind of came out because he had, he had ingested it so mm-hmm. much, so intimately mm-hmm. that intimate knowing that it just could not help, but come out. Mm-hmm. It could not help. But you know, if two, if a man and a woman spend enough time together in intimate, you know, relationship, there's going to be a kid that comes out. Like mm-hmm. it's just going to come, mm-hmm. like it's just going to happen. You know, right, right. right. So it's just part of it. Yes. And so in the same way, what we intimately know and let just really infiltrate our heart, it's going to flow out of us. And so we got to be careful what we let in because that's what's going to come out. Yeah. And I, I just, I just think that that's the, that's just what kind of racks my brain is that I'm, I'm always searching for those for like that the deep truth of myself like mm-hmm. like like do I like am I really in love with truth like am I really um in love with Jesus like do I like is it a pure motivation like just I'm always questioning all yep. that stuff yep. in light of um in light of the scripture and like what I know right. and then I'm I'm also lining my life up to say what I know, because that's all you can be held accountable for, right? Is that what I know? Mm. What I know to be true today. Am I am I living my life in accordance to that, or is it hypoc? Is it is it hypocrisy? Right. Like there's things that we don't know that we don't have the answers to. Sure. But like what what I do know about, like relationships. Am I trying my best to live in that truth of what I know? Uh, parenting. Um, just accountability. And, yeah. I, and I think that that's like, it just doesn't happen. Like, I think that's what you're talking about. Like, it just doesn't fall from the sky. It doesn't happen. I think a lot of people, because whenever you go to the bookstore or you go somewhere, there, there's a there's a self-help section mm-hmm. and the self-help section does really well. Um, it's actually one of the niches that you can find on YouTube that's really yeah. good if you look at that, like offering self-help, offering improvement. Like, that's a big brand mm-hmm. just because people are looking, looking for a lot. Like, people generally want to do better. Sure. Okay? But the thing is that, it, like, it takes work. Like we said before, it takes work. None of that stuff just falls into your lap. Right. Like, like secular or spiritual. And so I think that like learning how to do that is an acquired taste and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a skill, but I think that's why a lot of people give up on things. Like they give up on 
whatever they're doing because they don't get this easy result or they don't think because they just read it, it's going to automatically just work out in their life. Like you have to actually live out these new principles, live out these new ethics and they have to actually just translate to what you're doing. And then like for marriage, let's use that, right? You and I have been married for a while. Mm -hmm. You can see and read a good thing here. Not to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, some days it feels like it. (laughs) We can go to a conference. We can get a book. We can go on retreat. And you can get great information. And you can want to apply that information. But like you said before, you have to sit with that for a while. Mm. And then that, as you said before, it it doesn't just happen overnight. Mm. And then it starts coming out. But you also got to nurture that. Does that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that that's just the whole thing about what you believe and know affects that. Because if I know that that sapling is going to continue to grow into a tree that's going to bear fruit one day, Mm. then I'm willing to keep nurturing it in that process until it bears the fruit. Because I believe that I know that that's going to be an apple tree. And I want to have apples to make apple pie one day. So I'm going to continue to pour and invest and maintain that and make sure it's growing well so that it can produce that fruit for me to consume in my life. And I feel that's the same thing with what we know. Like if we know and believe that's actually true, then we have to fan that flame with to protect it and grow that seed and allow it to take root so that, cause we're, we know that we're going to get the benefit of that knowledge someday. I was really paying attention to your words and you use the phrase, I believe that I know that's, that's really the crux of it. You believe that, you know, that that sapling is going to become a fruit tree. You don't know that. You believe that you know it. <laughs> and so, like, other saplings have become trees that have, have borne fruit. Correct. That one hasn't. Yet. So you don't really know. I believe, but I believe, yeah, you're right. I, yes, I, correct. But, but yes. you <laughs> understand it yes. has, it has the, the potential. That's correct. You know it has the potential. Yes. You don't know that it's going to actually produce fruit. But you believe that you know it. And so you're, you're willing to... Yeah, that's 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 where people get. That's you, true. You get to that place where you're willing to take that leap, uh-huh. and that's where we get faith. The idea that I'm going to step just beyond what I know <laughs> to the next thing that I hope to be true. Yes, and right. it, and it and it always is beyond what we know. Scientists do it all the time. So do you? We think- know this, but I, I believe that this might be true. And so they'll, if you listen to them long enough, they'll just start talking about the thing that they believe to be true as if it's true. As if they know it. So do you think that's what gets us caught up? Like, do you think that, do you think that's going back to the whole thing? Yeah. That last step, do you think that there is something that we don't want to do that? Like, I think that like there, we, we get tripped up to say, okay, I just don't know if I want to believe and put faith in the unknown. I want, I want it to be hundred percent certain. So I don't know that this seed may ever plant, become a fruit tree and produce fruit. So I'm just going to leave it alone. And yeah. I'll just go get. I'll go to the grocery store and get the apples that have already been produced. Because there's a cost in nurturing <laughs> that tree, right? There's a cost in that. That's so true, man. And in living for years, believing that there's going to be fruit, right? And and not knowing. And I think that's the hardest part for some people because no matter what discipline of life you're in, mm-hmm. no matter what your career choice is, um, in the in the bigger things of humanity, there's always places where we just simply don't know. And there's things we're just not going to know. And so at some point, no matter whether you're a, a 100% atheist, there, there are things about our existence that you just have to believe in through faith. And and it, it's not a related to a religion faith for you. Like it, 
atheism at some point can become its own religion. But I guess what I'm saying is that philosophy of life requires faith. Um, to follow Jesus is going to require faith because there's just some places where we get to where we say, I believe that I know. Thanks again for checking out this week's episode of At the Table with Paul and Brandon. Be sure that you like and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. We'll see you then.